0: Our guest today is Denise Champagne-McClure, owner of the Coffee Weed Cottage, located at the corner of East Simcoe and Poitre Street in Lafayette. Denise brings a deeply experienced business background to this endeavor, as well as a marketing style that is enticing and rich. Her business is successful and is also located on the edge of a lot of challenges as far as downtown Lafayette is concerned. That's why I wanted to bring Denise on Discover Lafayette to let her share her story with us. Once you meet Denise or hear her voice, you will find yourself reeled in and want to know more, much more. Denise, welcome to Discover Lafayette. I want to know more after hearing that. I (laughs) know. I know. I just... First of all, let <laughs> me just say a couple of things. I love you. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. you so much. We've gotten to be buddies. Yeah. We're here with Jason Secor in the beautiful Raider Studios. So Jason, thank you for joining us. Course, and yeah, thank you. Denise, I guess I met you. I was on the campaign trail. And I have to say, first of all, to people, I have not talked about my campaign during my podcast this year. But I'm now free just to say, you know, I ran for mayor president and I'm excited to have had the opportunity. And I'm also excited to be back really focused on what I love the most is sharing the message, the beautiful people of Lafayette. So you're my first one. Yeah. Since and the, um, the i loved having you in my shop and
1: you listening. And, you know, even if it was on a campaign trail, we were huge supporters
0: of you because of your transparency and who you were. So well, thank you. Yeah, so that's it. So let's talk about Denise Champagne McClure, daughter of Daddy Waddy. <laughs> and uh, you do have a deep business background. So before we get into your current enterprise, I want you to tell us who you are and what your life journey was until you know, Coffee Weed Cottage was created. Well, I like to start at the
1: sort of beginning because who I am today is absolutely you know, my culture and my heritage and even who I didn't want to be because it's—I've just started recently talking about my education because it was sometimes embarrassing for me. Um, I barely graduated high school. I had to go to summer school three times. And, you know, all up until eighth grade, I, straight A's. And then just— I don't know if it was not being able to keep up or having distractions, but all of a sudden it's like my whole world just changed. And it uh, made me think that I wasn't good enough, that I couldn't um, ever accomplish or be anything. And so I wasn't college material. I didn't take the ACT. It wasn't even an option for me. And both my mom and dad worked several jobs and so, uh, you know, it was a fin for yourself. So I left. I have a twin brother you and do. a sister that's older oh. than me. She's three years. She's older than me. <laughs> um, she's three years older than me. And so my brother and I moved out at 17, like right after high school. And we, I just knew, okay, you get a job and you work really hard and, mm-hmm. and that's it. And you just make ends meet and that's life. And so um, I think— Going through that journey and not figuring out that I was different and that wasn't who defined me mm-hmm. uh, took a long time. so I
0: you know, I was the opposite. I was like a book nerd and so shy.
2: Yeah,
0: that none of us really know where we fit in. no, but school is like such a defining part of a young person's life. Yeah. you know yeah, when if yeah. you
1: listen to what people say, about you and you absorb it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I think women tend to do that a little bit yep. more, then you—that's the definition, and you keep telling yourself that. Mm-hmm. So until you get to learn that that isn't and that it can be changed, Yeah, I think that was the thing. So— um Along the way, I had several jobs, and it was landscaping was my passion. And I always talk about Marshall's Nursery mm-hmm. um, because that was the just a landmark in Lafayette. And that was before corporate and big box stores came in. So you had the Christmas shop and the flower shop and the all the plants and loved working there. And um, then I went on to work with an all-girl crew, uh, Lorraine Bo Landscaping. Uh, bio horticultural, which is phenomenal. And I think that you could make something out of nothing was just Mm -hmm. so interesting for me. And so we would do new construction and I'm talking like hard labor. Like this was not just the pretty flowers. We did the
0: trees and everything. Yes. Wow.
1: And so, but the other aspect of it was we did interiors. So um, on Mondays we would go in and take care of plants for mm-hmm. commercial, Service Chevrolet, Edie's, when you know, Stanley and them had the big location. So we would go in and take care of all the plants for them. And I loved you met it. everybody. Huh? Yes. So we had our little fanny packs when fanny packs weren't cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you had your little clippers. And we just I really enjoyed that part
0: mm-hmm. of it so, she taught you like they all taught you what to do
1: yeah and it was the names of the plants it was understanding where things go and why mm-hmm. and um it mattered and talking to the plants matters really yes totally i still wow. believe that to this day yeah yeah so yeah it's um it and during covid relationally we couldn't be with people a lot. And you either adopted a dog or a cat or you took on plants. Mm-hmm. And that was the relational side that people got.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I love that I was able to keep going with that and that um, most people aren't afraid to mm-hmm. to nurture and, and get the plants going, but um,
0: not to get off track. Let's go back yeah. to the... So then you so, were also in business. You, you got into yeah, so business sales, I, right?
1: Um, ended up in the home, so landscaping, and then I went inside of the home and did a lot of uh, kitchen and bath industry, mm-hmm. so plumbing, appliances, lighting, home decor, and I worked for a local company, Coburn Supply, for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Wonderful people. And I worked from the bottom up, so it was starting out in customer service, and just from there going into maybe, you know, a product manager and then becoming the sales manager. And so I, it was just um, something that when, when you work from the bottom and you get recognized for the things that you do mm-hmm. and they keep feeding you and they keep saying, we're proud of you and here, let's give you more. And then you're successful and you keep going. It's addicting. Yeah. And so that was the part where I and wanted affirming, more. Affirming yes, to yes, it was, that's it. Yeah, it was the affirmation that I was getting that I was doing a great job, mm-hmm. and it was something I needed. And did college ever play a part? Like it didn't matter
0: that you didn't have a college degree.
1: No, it it played a big part in a lot of jobs I
0: wanted and couldn't get. I see. So you so, just didn't qualify from the get go. Yeah. But you learned on the job at these really good yeah. places that so, you're for.
1: You know, I was grateful that in the positions I acquired with Coburn's, they never said, "Oh, for that you have mm-hmm. to have a degree." And so, um, they were very good about hiring people in the warehouse and they They could work their way up, and I think you get some loyalty there Mm -hmm. because they're so appreciative of that. It's not like I have a piece of paper I can go anywhere as I want to go. It was these people invested in me, Mm -hmm. and I want to give
0: back. Yeah, 15 years is quite a long time.
1: Yeah, so loved it. I got to travel a lot and um, go to all these conventions Mm -hmm. and hear wonderful speakers, and there was one that was um, just— life-changing, obviously. It was Unleashed, and it was a guy by the name of Dirk Beveridge. And he had these really cool people, guitarists. He was Carrie Underwood's guitar player, and it was the man that got involved in uh, Osama Bin Laden and the the team um, that had removed him. And so it was all these ordinary people, in a sense, that had extraordinary stories. Mm -hmm. And it was so relatable for me. And that I could do anything I wanted to. So I heard these stories, and I really put it into play. I came back home, and I started reading the books and reading the things, and I knew that it wasn't that I wasn't teachable just because I didn't have a college degree. It was I had to figure out how I learned best and what worked, and all of these things, I knew that I wanted to be in a showroom aspect, that— Kitchen and bath may not have been the end all, but I knew in the home decor and having a showroom where people came in was what Mm -hmm. I wanted. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started doing this all immersive showroom. And it was all these elements involved, but it was specifically for Coburn's. And so it was like kitchen and bath. And then it had a coffee shop in it, and it had a bookstore. They gave you kind of free reign to create? Well, it was my PowerPoint. It was what I wanted. And so I presented it to them. And they listened, and I know secretly they were like, who in Mm -hmm. the—you know, like, this girl's crazy. And so after presenting it over and over again, because there was a lot of tweaks, they finally said, okay, we'll give you one. And um, it was going to be in Lafayette, and it was actually going to be where the forum— Oh. Is yeah. so there was a building that they tore down. It was a ten thousand square foot building, and I always wanted to repurpose things. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to do new construction. So anytime I, I wanted to take something that people thought was ugly and make it pretty, and um, we we were going to put a down payment and start the construction, and then COVID hit and changed everyone's world, changed the showroom world, mm-hmm. over where people came in and started selecting things. And so,
0: and things weren't even available. No, like the supply chain issues. It was so real for appliances. Yeah,
1: so that was in early 2020, and I ended up leaving that company in mid June um, because it was hard to find the purpose again in all the mess of procedures and processes, which is not my brain. Mm. I, I want art, you know, something to work with, some art, some visual. And I just thought, there's no way I can bring this back. I don't know what else to do. And I can do process and procedures only for so long. Mm -hmm. So, left them, went into the manufacturing side because, I mean, (laughs) that's going to be better, like you said, in the supply chain issue. And then acquisitions happen, And so, every company, I always wanted to work with a smaller company. Every company that I chose, which only two, but the companies that I chose got acquired. I mean— Six months, a year into it, they just could not financially continue with the supply chain holdup and keep producing mm-hmm. product. It was, you know, and I'm sure there were other things that were happening in the, you know, behind the scenes.
0: But, I mean, it was probably hard to survive yeah. as a small company. Yeah. You know, and if you couldn't uh, sell things, if you could It was exhausting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I
1: think as family-owned companies, they just, I don't think they could do right. it anymore. So that vision and the purpose, it starts to die when you have all these things coming at you. So at that point, I was like, well, what? I, I can't keep doing this. What am I going to do? And reverted back to a good friend of mine. We're chatting, and she's like, why don't you do the dream of the showroom, but do it for you? What does that look like for you? And immediately, like Aileen talks about the spark. The fire, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was the spark that that it lit the fire in me. And I just knew, okay, well, let's go back to the drawing board, but do what I want to do. What do you want to do? So home decor was a part of that. Um, plants, coffee was always a part, and books, because that's the way I learned. That's the way I taught myself about everything. And I wanted to make sure that people had access to tools and resources to either self-help um, emotionally emotionally, knowing that you're okay with who you are and figuring out why you do what you do or giving you the tools and resources to help you mm-hmm. build a business.
0: Wow. So, Jason, when you walk in Coffee Week Cottage, I guess, when did you open? When was your opening date? May 18th this okay. year. So it's new, but it just has the feel of like an old soul has inhabited it. It's a beautiful, I want you to talk about the building, but just the the smells in there. It's like fresh plants, you know, like, Lively plants. Yeah. Um, you've got candles. You've got pottery, yeah. which I love. Yeah. Books. Yeah. You sit down, little bistro-style tables, get coffee and pastries. and Yeah. It's just funky and fun. Yeah. I, I d- love
1: it. I think um, several things— I chose the building because it is the oldest mechanic shop in Lafayette. So describe the building for people that don't know. It is a large metal building. Um, It's almost 3,000 square feet. And it it had to have been back in 1904, 1920 era, because the courthouse really didn't have much on that area. It's the Mm -hmm. oldest neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so um, I chose the neighborhood and that building purposely, to repurpose it. Yeah. And um it's got the doors that kind of go up, you know, those like garage it had type seven of doors, garage so. doors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when when you are stuck in a box um and you get creative and you find things and you do things differently. So I think the creativity of side of me loves that part mm-hmm. of it. And just um, the neighborhood is Laplace or Fightonville, I think is uh, what a lot of people know it by. And it, it was old and aged and kind of forgotten. Um, so driving around the city Sunday mornings, I'd go grab a cup of coffee, go ride the neighborhoods of where I thought my dream would would mm-hmm. work. And downtown wasn't it and all the other locations. And so I just kept going to that neighborhood. And I found the sign that was in front of it. And my, my realtor was like, what? <laughs> Are you sure? And I, like, started, you know, finding the Pinterest pictures. Yeah, like this and this. Mm-hmm. And we could do this to the building. And he's like, Okay. And he's like, you know, better than me. So, um, and the crazy thing is the people who owned it are from my hometown, Cecilia. Really? So it was um, a connection there that was kind of bigger than I anticipated. Uh-huh. And it was a uh, third or fourth generation that owned the building. And it so, just was sitting. It wasn't. Yeah, and used. they had some emotional ties to it. Yeah. And they really wanted to make sure whoever bought that building was going to treat it right. And— uh, Remind me to tell you a story about okay. them coming back in. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they love it. But
0: it's just so eclectic, but yet yeah, has a feel of home Yeah, when you walk in. Yeah. So um, did you have to do a lot of work to the building when you bought it?
1: I did on the electrical and plumbing side mm-hmm. because there was nothing. So the electricity side was only 100 amps. They wouldn't, there was no AC and no heater. So I had to add all the electrical, new panels, you know, all AC. And so. All the
0: code requirements. I bet was something. Yeah.
1: And insulation. And so the floors were like, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with the floors. And really it was like, just leave it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Because um, now we let the kids chalk on it. Yeah. And it's just cool because you can't mess it up. I don't want people to feel like it's too pretty to hang out and, and, you know, and just get comfy and let your walls down, the conversations and the
0: coffee flow way better. But a lot of people meet there, Jason, like, I mean, police officers go in there for coffee, old Nothing. friends, meetings, young people, have, yes. older people, yeah. meetings are held in the back. It's just a really good place to go and congregate. Yeah.
1: You and know. I think having and be a, seen, kind of, it's it's
0: busy whenever I'm in there.
1: Yeah, having so many of the surrounding neighborhoods biking and walking mm-hmm. was my goal, and I really wanted the people in Laplace and Feidenville to have a way to connect to others and not feel forgotten. Mm-hmm. So we have quite a few of the
0: neighbors that come in, and um, mm-hmm. I love hanging around and talking with mm-hmm. them. Well, I have a question. So, did you know much about? you know, serving food, like what coffee to pick and where to get your pastries? Like, how did you figure all that out? I think um, the coffee was only supposed to be a part
1: Mm -hmm. of, you know, the whole thing. So I knew that if you want people to come to a place, you feed them and you give them drinks. And it also, cortisol-wise, makes your cortisol levels go lower. Mm -hmm. So you stay longer. Whereas if you didn't have that, people would just be in and out. Um, so I think the coffee was sort of difficult because we have a local guy who's amazing, you know, Rev and them, they do a wonderful job of roasting, but I did want to be different. I did want a different flavor, and mm. I love chicory. So I knew that I specifically wanted chicory, and that was the hardest part, was finding someone else that did it and was as passionate about it as I was. So I had to go to New Orleans. You did? Yeah. Whose
0: sources is it for Orleans you? Coffee. Okay. And okay. They, I like their coffee. They're
1: amazing. They yeah. actually used to do Johnson Street Javas. Yeah, yeah. So um, great people, and they trained us. They did. They showed us, you know, how to do the coffee because I just when well, you just pull a shot.
0: How hard can that be? It's really hard. (laughs) To be consistent, right? Yes. And then all the fancy things that go along with it. Yeah.
1: So um, early on, hiring the right people to help us and put procedures in place was important. And because I didn't want to be in the kitchen, I want to be with the people. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like that was my goal, was to have conversations. So that's important, is hiring the right people. Mm -hmm. And you may not get it right the first time.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I we think, were talking about that before we started taping. So I want to get into other aspects, but that probably—that must have been a hard thing, getting the right employees.
1: Yeah. And listen, I'm all—we uh, talked about May. We're only in the, mid-October. October. And emotionally being involved in the business because you're passionate about it, it can sometimes, you know, be— a hard thing because then you get involved with your employees because you care about them. So it isn't about just hiring people, it's about hiring, you know, someone that you care about and that you want to help. Mm-hmm. And you want to know their dreams and you want to help them accomplish their dreams. But sometimes it's not
0: with you. And you also want them to do their job. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Hey, you got to make coffee
0: too." Yeah, like this is all like, cool, but right? Where were with you? The Kumbaya you know? thing,
1: but hey, yeah. So hmm. that was the hard part. Was <laughs> how do you kick? How do you kick in? Someone's crying, Lord. Right? <laughs> how do you kick in with? All right, guys, we we got to do our job and correct mm. someone, but then yeah, you know, want to hear about their day or hear about the troubles they're going. That's going on in their world because mm-hmm. it's hard to separate work and personal for all of us. And you can tell when people walk in and it's heavy. So you don't want to dismiss it and say, "Hurry up and clock in. We got stuff to do." But um that that's tough. And yeah. I think um like I said, operational wise, um employ employees is a huge mm-hmm. part of mm-hmm. making it right, getting it right and setting your brand. Are they mainly students? The no. That, um, um I think I would say half. Half students. They seem young, the ones. Yeah, up there. they are. And my son at 19, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wanted him to manage it and he doesn't have management experience. So it's hard to teach somebody when you're learning yourself mm-hmm. how to run a business. Mm-hmm. So make mistakes. I've made lots of mistakes in these are, in these few months. So it's quickly learning and then figuring out how to make it right. Mm-hmm. Apologizing. You know, being transparent with the employees is... Really hard. Yeah. But that's the only way I know how. And sometimes it can be taken in mm-hmm. use against you.
0: So this is your first business that you've ever yes. opened. Did you could help locally, like with your business plan? Did you go to any the local assets that we have, like small business development or yeah, I opportunity tr- machine?
1: Strongly. When— People who come to me and say, how did you do it? Can you help me? I will, if you have time and you want to give me an hour, schedule an appointment with me. I will walk through Mm -hmm. everything with you. Because you had
0: to, I'm sure you had to get financing.
1: Yeah, I did. So. It's um, not easy. SBA, you know, and it was a 7A. And being a woman um, Mm -hmm. did allow me. to to get an SBA loan a little bit easier. Um, You have Lita, who is a huge help for me. Very big Resources, you know, Mark Mouton, his team, and Mandy. It was emailing them and saying, this is what I need, and I'm talking like, Mm -hmm. is this it? And it's like tons of information. And so when you do a business plan for the SBA, You've got to have all, you know, dot yeah. the I's, cross the T's. And when I didn't have it, I would just go back to them and say, I need this. And, I mean, within the yeah, same wonderful. day. Yeah, they um, Louisiana Small Business,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Lauren Title, just going to them and saying, okay, here's my drawing that I drew up, and here's my sort of business plan. And they'll say, okay, mm-hmm. you need a financial three-year plan. Yeah. And I'm clueless at that. So they walk you through. Um, they give you an Excel sheet. I'll call her and say, I don't understand this word. I don't understand this acronym. Why are there so many acronyms, y'all? I'm like, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Spell and so the words out. And so you hate to ask people, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because then you look like you, you don't know. And we're but always, always afraid, yeah. right? We're always afraid of not knowing. Don't be afraid to ask about acronyms. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you permission.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So- You got the financing, but it was through the government. that small because I was thinking a bank might have been hard to get financing for this.
1: It it was, um, but I think with the experience I had and the vision,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I spelled it out pretty clearly. That well either that or they thought I was crazy and they Mm -hmm. were like, I mean, if this girl thinks she can do all this,
2: yeah, let's give her a shot.
1: But and you know, having retirement, I had money saved. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to go through all your retirement good credit.
2: Uh
0: But yeah, my retirement is that building. Do you have to put your personal house up to I um, did. secure the note? I did. Mm-hmm. That's Everything. a big step. Everything. Yeah. So every day that you are successful it's is me. one less day. You're like, looking whew, at what, I made what's going to happen. I yeah. made it. Yeah.
1: I made money today. And mm. making money doesn't look what you think it looks like. You know, is it being profitable or is it really, you know, making an even break? Mm-hmm. So I'm learning. Early
0: point though, is it really just breaking even like breaking paying people? even is uh-huh. like paying hallelujah. Your,
1: your salaries.
0: Yeah. And
1: paying your notes. Yeah. It's like not paying yourself. Because mm-hmm. really and truly, at the end of the day, everyone else matters before you do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as a small right. business owner, and I know you've had yeah. um I mean we've
0: our own law Daily, yeah, was it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I listen to you guys' podcasts and Bailey Bobbitt. Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice, sacrifice. But it's worth it if it's a dream you have. It is. Yeah. And I think on the hard days, you have to remember why you did it and to push through. Because as long as there's more good days than there are hard days, um, and remembering when a good thing happens, you have to sit in it. I think one of the hardest things for me, my mom has to tell me all the time, you did it. Mm -hmm. You did it. Like— Just sit in it for a while. You did it. She comes in the door, and, like, she almost wants to cry every time because it's like, you came to me and said you were going to do this, and you did it. it's so beautiful. So, and, you know, I always say, if I'd have known, I'd have seen my daddy in it, that he would come in all the time to drink coffee. I'd have done this a long time ago. I know. He's there every day, huh?
0: Almost. Yeah. Almost. He's been there every time I've been.
1: And, you know— what matters most it's not the dream is the most important for me and the home decor and doing what i love and seeing things happen financially but when people come in and they get to share and they do truly are transparent and having problems or want someone to talk to that we are there to talk to mm-hmm. them i mean obviously there's therapists and other people but
0: yeah um just in that moment of time of me interesting I found that in my real estate practice. People, I was there to help them buy or sell a home, but really, everybody's got stories. I
1: have to tell you about a story. On election day, I had a couple come in, and they said that you helped them with their home. Oh. And they told me that we didn't know what we were doing. We had no clue, and she helped us every step of the way. And I think— If you are so passionate about people, Mm -hmm. it shows in your work and what you do. And just having those stories shared
0: is like, oh, my gosh, we do matter. We do matter. And I was so blessed to have an education. Right. You know, it was an honor to help people. Right. So I'm I'm curious about the little things running your business. Like, you have beautiful pastries, but did you have to learn, like, how many to buy and then how long they last? And, like, little things probably—
1: And I think— Affects your
0: bottom line.
1: That's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what keeps you up at night, did I make mm-hmm. the right decisions on that? I have a lady that, you know, does our cheesecakes. And everything is—it's a time. So if it doesn't sell, you have to throw it away. Mm-hmm. You still have to pay these people. for eat it. You still— <laughs> You know how much cheesecake I bring home sometimes? <laughs> I'm kidding. It's pastries too, though. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, the wholesale side of business and knowing people, hey, and not being afraid to ask questions. So it's like, okay, do you guys sell this? Do you do this? So our muffins are not in-house, and we just started selling soup. And Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, like, last week. Mm-hmm. So that's why you didn't know. Soup and muffins. And so, yeah. <laughs> And so it's, um, Hey, what trusting people that, um, are in the business and that, you know, she's a friend of mine, mm-hmm. that's a rep for me. And she's, I said, okay, well, what kind of muffins sell best? And she's like, well, these, 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 but one of them might not sell right because it's not the same customer base.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it's quickly being able to understand what works and doesn't work mm-hmm. and go with your gut
0: really it's I don't know about this I'm scared yeah. you know what does work like what What? what's the most popular muffin or
1: pastry uh, you know blueberry and banana nut has been a favorite pistachio another favorite mm. um seasonal. Sometimes uh-huh. things are seasonal. You know, cranberry orange muffins tend to be good. And then it's funny, you're pairing it with coffee. Yeah. So it's just like wine. You pair food with coffee. So a lot of the times if you want a dark roast, we'll tell you, um, my manager, she says a cranberry orange goes good with dark roast. Okay. So it's things like that mm-hmm. knowing to tell people about and that they always come back and say, oh my gosh, it was great advice you gave us. We loved it. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, and I always say we don't ever want to take the place of, like, the amazing food culturally, but we're snack place. We're a place where people stay for meetings. So giving them, you know, the Danish... Uh, pastries that we have that are really good. And um, always feeding people, making Mm -hmm. sure, you know, like Mama's house. It didn't matter if it was, you know, goldfish or if it was gumbo. Mm -hmm. I mean, as long as you were fed, she was happy. Yeah. And, like, that's the same with us. Yeah.
0: We just want to make sure you're happy. I'm laughing. Um, A couple of weeks back on a Friday, Allison Chuck Snyder, our mutual friend, hosted um, yoga for us, Jason. It was wonderful. And so it was funny. We were outside kind of in a covered it was an open
3: <laughs> outdoor exactly space. But I mean say. if it had
0: rained, we weren't gonna be wet. But there somebody decided to just start weed weed eating, like for an hour, you know. For the entire and time. I, honestly, it didn't bother me, but I was just laughing because you know, I'm having anxiety, panic attack you in the corner.
1: That. And I'm like watching everyone. I'm like, they're all gonna get up and leave. Mm-mm. And it was Allison, it was so good. Everyone She's that, so chill. She like the inner channel, you know, like just focus on the noise. Mm-hmm. And it just it was perfect. Just, it,
0: was. it was beautiful. It, it was, was a amazing. cooler morning. But then afterwards, um Maison <sighs> title. Uh, Mason title. Uh, Maison title. Yeah. She was um It is Maison Title. Yeah. You she said she it was right. uh, she was treating everybody to coffee. Oh. And I was watching y'all trying to serve like 35 women that ordered stuff and then forgot they ordered it. Oh, my God. I know we're screaming, who ordered a bagel?
1: (laughs) So then I'm eating it, and she comes back, and she's like, oh, that was mine. (laughs) But my friend said, listen, you're feeding and giving coffee, and they're not having to
0: pay for it. And they just had yoga. They're the most chill people. You're all right. Yep. And I bought two plants when I was there. So talk about that. So you've got— the, you, you teach people, yeah. right, how to yeah. take care of plants, too. Yeah.
1: The goal is that we want you to not be afraid, and we've almost given you a free pass because not only do we give you um, a grow bar, which is what we call it, you get to bring your friends over, you guys pick a plant, you pick a pot, and we teach you as an experience to to, you know, pick the right thing, tell us where you're going to put it. Or it could be a gift. You mm-hmm. might be making it for someone else. But how much light you have, how often are you going to water, what kind of plant parent are you? Are you a helicopter yeah. or are you, you know, the desert? Yeah, neglectful. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> so we're trying to figure out um, all the elements that will give you, like, a, a great experience. Mm-hmm. And um, we also give you a guarantee. Hey, I'll give you 30 days. Within oh. the 30 days, if your plant starts looking bad, send me pictures, bring it in, and we'll either put it in our infirmary, we call it, and we'll, like, bring it back to life, and we'll give you a new one. Or we'll tell you what you're doing wrong so that you can quickly fix it.
0: What do people do, like, over water or underwater? You know, Is it it's either, to-
1: like— uh completely forgot the plant was there <laughs> or <laughs> what plant yeah. it was like well like every day i went to talk to it and i had to give it some water and oh. so and then the you got root rot you know yeah. and it's like it starts to yellow stink. yeah so or sometimes you know we ask them if they want drain holes or not and so then that depends on how much water you're going to give it so <laughs> it's just oh my gosh it's funny but uh, That's we pretty give a guarantee that it is. And we've had probably three or four people take advantage of oh. that. Um, we've had one person. No, we've had two bring their plant back and we swapped it out and they weren't looking bad and we were able to nurture them back. But one was, okay, you're watering it way too much. Mm-hmm. So it was them doing it, not the actual plant, but most of the people it's, it's what we're doing to the plant. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's like humans. It's not that you're, Wrong. It's that you're in the wrong place Uh, or you're getting the wrong. The wrong position. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It always is. It always Mm -hmm. is. So so we're just, you know, it's not the right plant for you. We're going to pick you another plant. You need like a cactus. Right. Yeah. Yeah, If you're the desert, you know, then yes, we definitely need it. it. So, you know, and we kind of over-exaggerate things like, oh, and we also have a little paper that we give everybody that tells them the name of their plant, how often they should water it. And all of that. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. you know, we try and make it easy. Well, tell me about your pottery too. Because I bought, um, there, there's just so many beautiful pieces, yeah. but I bought this kind of moss green Looks like a pitcher. I'm using it as a vase, mm. but you've got some beautiful pieces there. It's like a great place to go shopping, especially uh, my, for Christmas coming yeah. up.
1: Oh gosh, I cannot wait! And you've got an
0: event coming up, on November
1: ninth. Yes, yeah, saw that online. And let me just tell you, we have a room full of Christmas decorations and home decor oh, cool. stuff, and we're calling it the Cozy Christmas at Coffee Wee Cottage <laughs> because it's just cozy. Everything's cozy, like mm-hmm. so. Uh, you know, our feel and what we want is cozy. But the pots that I pick, we hand pick them. Um, I am going to market and picking all these things and faces are the things. And we even oh, have yeah. little dressers and cars and the little Volkswagen van is like the thing. So we pick things that you can't find anywhere mm-hmm. else. Where do you go to market? Like where is that Dallas? Well, it's in Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, Dallas Market Center. And we have a few um, like Park Hill and Callaloo and all these brands that—there's one in Mississippi, there's one in Arkansas, and even normal brands. But um, there's also some people around here that do pottery that we want to support and help. So, um, like, there's a crawfish on um, a—it's the mud hole, and it's out of (sighs) cement. This guy, he's at Jockey Lot. It's so cool. So, anyway. That's
0: neat. Yeah. Yeah, we try to do different things. Yeah. Let's talk about your location because, you know, we've talked about how pretty the place is and it's, it's funky with, you know, being an old garage, but, um, you're right, right on the edge of some, um, challenges and I I don't want to define the challenges. I want you to define what you've experienced and why you're there.
1: Um, I think to start off, it's about our perception and how we've grown up and how, the house or the home that we grew up in and our belief system of certain areas. So Simcoe, automatically, when you say Simcoe, a lot of people have a bad, you know, um, image of what it is. I, You know, I don't, when people say Ninth Ward or, you know, whatever, New mm-hmm. Orleans, you automatically think it's a bad area. And so my address was actually Simcoe. And I wanted people to come and see this neighborhood and be in our neighborhood, and I changed the address because I'm on a corner.
2: Mm-hmm. So Poitras, yeah.
1: nobody knows where Poitras was. So I didn't know about it. Marketing wise, you go with, okay, do you you know do you keep it Semco, and people be like, eh, I don't know, and, or do you change it to Poitras? and they're like, there's no Poydras in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. So it's like two different things you're dealing with. And I think I went with the curiosity because everything about my place is curious, even the name, Coffee Weed. So it was about people wanting what this. This is crazy. I have to see it to believe it. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And so um, I changed it to Poy just to get people there, and it has not let me down.
0: So the, um, the postman let you do that?
1: Well, the city. <laughs> <laughs> they were. They were like. I think we can do it because I had to replat the property anyway because it was two uh, pieces Mm -hmm. of land. And in order not to do major construction on the building, I had to replat. So because it was on the property line and there would have been firewalls and all the things. Um, So I changed it to Poydras and I— my goal was you got Saint Streets, you got Oaklawn people, and most of them don't ever go in that neighborhood mm-hmm. for anything. I mean, maybe to get their car fixed, or, you know, there's a few um, little grocery stores or whatever, but it was never to go for coffee or shopping. Right.
0: And it's near a uh, university, it's not that far. No, it's like university. three to four
1: blocks yeah. off of university where Flowers, et cetera, used mm-hmm. to be. And so um, I think um the challenges or we do have some homelessness there and it tends to sometimes have some drug issues um but i think when you look at the big picture of Lafayette there are a lot of places that have that mm-hmm. i think it was the stigma alone mm-hmm. and not so much the actual reality of it homelessness i would say is real just because of the things that are in that area and that support you know, helping and giving tools for the homeless, homelessness. So um, we have um, several friends that we call them. They come in quite often to get Mm -hmm. water and hang out a little bit. You help them. Yeah. I think to an extent, you know, they they have resources and tools, but Mm -hmm. it's more about the conversation and that they're a human being and that they matter. So it is isn't that we have free food to give them, but I'll give you a cup of water and we'll have a conversation with yeah. you and yeah. check on you, your well-being. And if you actually need an immediate mm-hmm. attention, we know where to send you. So, you know, we, it's a daily some, you know, sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, but we have a great law enforcement, yeah, um, you know, community and people that come into our shop so that, we're afraid or that anything is wrong there. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I've never have felt
0: not. unsafe at all. Ever. You know.
1: Never. So, and I, our customers don't either. Mm-hmm. You know, as a matter of fact, we've had customers that will say, I'll pay for their food, whatever they want.
0: That's nice. As
1: soon as they see them walk in the door, they know. Yeah. Okay. They, they need some help. My son, they've taken out of the tip jar. Mom, I'll pay for their meals. I'll pay for whatever they want. So- I think it's more about showing them that, that they're human beings.
0: And, and you probably could have opened up anywhere. Yeah. But not actually, to get the vibe that you have. I right.
1: Th- yeah. And I think we looked at other places. I looked at, you know, Bruce Art And and my number one priority was not leasing mm. because of all the things you see amazing businesses have to leave. Yeah,
0: after a few years cause they because can't they can't renegotiate.
1: Just, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that being— My business being held in the power of someone else's hands. So owning. And then that was the Louisiana small business recommendation was you need to own the building. Wow. I mean, and so, and I didn't even think about that going into it. Yeah, because that's a big uh, undertaking. A big undertaking. Yeah. So own the building. And it becomes yours. It's, I think, it's like an all, it's all in. Because it's mm-hmm. yours, and if it doesn't work, then mm-hmm. you have nothing.
2: Right. It's not like I can At just pick up an and go somewhere that. else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you have more grit. You have more push. You you probably stay to work a little bit longer, and you pick up the slack where needed. Mm-hmm. Not saying that any of the other businesses don't, but
0: I think for me, yeah. it's my whole retirement on the line, you know? Has the um, increasing price in insurance been a big factor for you? Huge. Mm-hmm. That wasn't in your business plan, I'm sure, the current prices. Not at all.
1: Inflation. Mm -hmm. I I think I was having a conversation today with someone about, we keep going on like everything's normal and nothing's changing. And I don't know if that's us trying not to make it such a big deal, but it is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of businesses are having a hard time keeping up because it's not like if we charge more or we charge for the percentage of credit cards or whatever, everyone questions you or it's, it's upsetting Mm -hmm. and I get it. But but you're uh, having
0: to eat the cost. Yeah. We've had that. We own a condo over here by college and our, we have an association and the insurance has gone up so much. Yep. Yeah. We, you know, we're not raising our rent because I'm even having events,
1: having events and what you want to do versus what you can do. Mm -hmm. It, you know, it restricts you a whole lot of, being covered,
0: yeah. Well, I like what you're doing. You're offering yourself to the public, and like I said, we went to yoga, and I guess Allison donated her services. Yeah. I don't know, but you had a business there promoting herself, and yeah. it was well attended. And I can see you doing other things where you partner it with other either women or men, but I mean people that offer services I, that are in demand. Yeah, and, and then sell your coffee and get them in the doors. Yeah, so.
1: Um, partnering with vendors was a huge thing for me because, um, to get started and to get people to notice you and to have enough courage to go into a business, say, Hey, I have a product. Would you sell it? Is inspiring. And like, whatever I can do to help anyone Mm -hmm. get started, I'm,
0: I'm in. So artists, I I know you have local artists in there, right? Their, Their works. Um, is that consignment work where you just show it for them?
1: Most um, most of it is for art-wise. And then you've got like the Mongolia tea. Mm-hmm. You have um, the turmeric, if I'm saying it right. Um, you have all these things that are healthy benefits. And the only way to get their name out is either at a farmer's market or by mm-hmm. word of mouth. And so— you know, if I can do anything to help them mm-hmm. promote their business because it's good for you, then right. I'm all in. That Mongolia tea is the thing that helps aches and pains. Oh is that it? Does it work? Mongolia it's, and it, it's, it goes into the whole thing of your body, the, the plants uh, locally, but it's upper respiratory and it became popular during COVID because it makes you sweat. Oh. So it's like it, I'm not saying it cures COVID, but any of the symptoms— <laughs> that would be bleach, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is phenomenal, and mm. anyone who's taken the tea— really? It has a bitter flavor, but they do have honey in it. Yeah. And so my daughter and I have both taken it for congestion. You're mm. not feeling well, your sinuses. And, like, the next day, you're sweating it out, whatever it yeah. is, and you feel so much better. Traitoris have told me about oh, that, that yeah. they,
2: they grow and, it and you know recommend
1: it. Traitoris is— a hard thing for people to grasp because most of them are pretty secret about it. It's not something they promote because mm-hmm. they're really not supposed to, right. you know? And so Southern Healing Traditions,
0: yeah. it's a book we have in our shop and mm-hmm. it's two traitors that I interviewed them. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Have you? Mm-hmm. They're amazing. They're the ones that told me about this tea. Oh gosh. Yeah. So yeah. they are amazing. It's
1: using a lot of the things that are free and that you have in your
0: backyard mm-hmm. to Local. help you and, you know, right. to benefit. So, yeah. Right. Amazing. Well, anything that you thought I would ask you that I haven't. I know Jason's gonna have some questions. Oh man. I know. You know,
1: I've um I know when I leave here, I'm gonna be like, okay, hey, you shouldn't have said that. Um oh, no. you forgot to say this, you know, the whole thing, you run it through your head. I think um when I looked at doing the dream and building my dream, I have three kids. And so what am I going to leave them? What is it that I can leave them? Um, You know, I may not have a doctor in front of my name or I may not, you know, be, have that education and be able to do that for them. And financially, I won't be able to, to give them the money to go to school, you know, they're either going to have to to earn that in their education or pay for it themselves. But I am going to prove to them that if you want something bad enough, mm-hmm. you can make it happen. You can do anything you want to do. And I, I, that in itself, I wish I'd have learned early on because the thing that I like, what's the regret you have the most is I didn't travel
2: mm-hmm. when I
1: could and I didn't have kids or a family. Yeah. And so I think you can do anything you want to do. Do it. You know, save up. Whatever that goal is, put forth the effort and make it happen. And if it didn't work out, then do another one. Mm -hmm. Failure doesn't mean that you are a failure. It just means you failed at that. And then it doesn't mean that you don't have to keep trying. So I hope that they learn because I try to tell them um, about my mistakes and, you know, the things that I'm not good at, because we can all Facebook, social media, we we talk about, you know, hopefully how good things are. And it's that highlight reel. But my, my kids get to know who I really yeah. am. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes they see me screaming at them and hollering and stressed out, and they see it. And so, you know, apologizing to them and showing them you make mistakes and you
0: move on. Mm-hmm. So— yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Jason, um you've been taking notes and
3: <laughs> I do have some notes. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Keep Um, me on track. (laughs) Uh, Denise, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you for having
1: me.
3: First things first, I always like to, how do we find you online? How do we find your hours? What's your social media presence? Give us the rundown.
1: So, coffeeweekcottage.com. We are working on the website today, and it should be up tomorrow, actually. Oh, wow. So, we um, switched over and just have a new um, what it looks like and easier to book a grow bar because th- I think that's the biggest question is like, Hey, what's this grow bar thing? How do I find out more information? Oh, yeah. So we want to make sure when you click on that first page, you, you get to understand and your questions are answered about the grow bar. Um, I think. Um, and the, one of the big questions is how much does it cost? So we normally tell you to do a $50 deposit to book the room, but if you're putting that deposit down, it goes to your purchase. And oh, okay. if, if you want to pay for everyone and it's a party, go ahead. If everybody wants to pay for themselves, you know, the average is about 30 to $45 a person, depending on what plant and pot they choose. And it takes about an hour, an hour and a half, um, mm-hmm. to go through the process. So those are the big questions. Um Instagram where coffee weed um I think it's underscore cottage okay. and then Facebook coffee weed cottage as well.
3: Okay. Going into this, did you have a social media plan or are you just kind of making it up as you go?
1: Man, I I was I'm big into marketing because that is a part of my background and working for the um, Coburns and then in the manufacturing world marketing was I was a marketing channel manager and so social media was a big part I will tell you never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine how organic we are oh. because like you talk about my shop, you have to go. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you keep saying, you have to go, you have to be there. You have Mm -hmm. to go it's it's because what you feel when you walk in, you want to share with everyone. And it's so hard to explain that in pictures and all the things and people try their best. So it's even when you talk to marketing people, how it's evolved, Google and all the searches, I have people dropping in. I've only been there since May. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen. So it's been a blessing, you know, that it's People share it, and it's a shareable experience. You think it's the bright
3: yellow sofa? It is. Yeah. It's the yellow sofa. <laughs> Facebook
1: Marketplace, spray paint.
3: There, there we go. That's all you need. Uh, going back to uh, your life and landscaping. So yes, talking to plants does matter. Yes. And I'll add also music. Yeah. Oh. My, my dad's big with Mozart, Vivaldi with his plants, and they they grow great. Yeah. Just I mean something about music.
1: What wow. uh, do you, you either went to school with a kid, or you were that kid that on a science project. You did what if music mattered in growing plants. And it does. You know that at the science fair. Yeah. And it 100% matters. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Hmm. without a doubt.
1: So I think Uh it's the tone you use too.
3: I, we, we never did the experiment of like minor keys versus major keys versus like metal versus <laughs> right. classical.
0: like Led Zeppelin may not yeah. be soothing like whispering is, yeah. um, you know just, talking my, like a baby. My
3: dad prefers to work in the garden with classical music. Right. so that, that's what we get. It works. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, what do you miss most about landscaping?
1: Um I think <laughs> the grit, the the hard work, the sweat. Um, as much as your body can, you know, physically, as you get older, it's a little more difficult. But that—what um, do they call that? The um, sweat equity? hmm It's totally a thing. Like, when you physically do something and you make something, you're like, I did that.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's—really, I think that's what I miss is the before and after pictures. Okay. Of, like, seeing nothing or just a whole bunch of grass. And then you have these beautiful plants. And— like, my, my children each have a, a a tree named after them when they were born. Okay. And the the whole point of that is, like, now they see how big the tree is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, it takes time and, you know, some tender care, and the the they get so big.
3: Yeah. It amazes me. It, it's funny you say that because I've been asked, you know, do you really like mowing the lawn? And no, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> But I love standing Ooh. and looking at it at the end oh, when, when all gone. the edges are nice and clean. Oh, and, impeccable. Oh, it's, it's I know. so good.
1: It's like you go grab a beer in the fridge and you kick your feet up and you're like, yeah, I this, this is good.
3: Yeah, it's fantastic. I know. Uh, so we were talking a bit beforehand just about advice that you wish you were given. Mm. What advice do you wish you were given? And then in turn, what advice would you give somebody else that's kind of, kind of looking to do the same thing?
1: Yeah. So, you know, you go to the big conferences and you go to all these places and it's all about inspiring you. You know, it's about inspiration because when you leave there, I want to do that. But when you get into it, the operational and the boring side of it is the part that I really needed more help, especially now in the stages that I'm in, was understanding paying taxes, you know, city, state, Mm -hmm. uh, parish, federal, all of these things. I'm like, how much are they getting? (laughs) And, you know, understanding insurance and understanding trash. You have to pay people to take your trash. Like those are things that it sounds so silly, but all those things, Wi Fi, you know, um, oh, you have a service that you have to launder the, the washcloths and the mops. And, and I'm like, okay, all this is adding up. Mm -hmm. I did not realize how much it was going to cost on a daily basis. So when you see the sales, that's gross sales, (laughs) gross sales. And then you have to take out, you're paying your employees, you're paying the taxes. Oh, you have to tip them because somebody Mm -hmm. else tipped them. And at the end of the day, at the bottom of the line, it's a whole lot less, (laughs) (laughs) a whole lot less than what you started with. So, um, I think I made some big decisions and bought in a lot of inventory right at the beginning, and I probably should have waited. And I think it's scary. It's scary because you have all this product and you're like, you better buy it, like buy the product. And so, um, you know, knowing it's going to happen and it's going to come, but probably pulling back a little, you know, on the spending and making sure that you have some cushion.
3: Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. After the podcast, let me tell you about merch sales and music touring and what those numbers look like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we we also talked, like, this was a, a love of yours. This was a dream. Yeah. Right. And, but you're also very customer centric. Yeah. But you also have the government and regulations and policies that kind of tell you what you can and can't do. Was it hard to manage all three of those sides of the triangle or was it easier than you thought it would be?
1: elaborate on the government and procedures. So,
3: so taxes and zoning and, you know, kind of all that stuff. I, I, and I could be wrong. Like, it seems to me like that's going to push against your dream a little bit. It's going to push against the customer centric a little bit, but maybe it plays well. I I just don't know.
1: It completely takes the wind out of your sail. It takes a lot of your passion out because you're dealing so much with permitting. Mm -hmm. Um, Nobody tells you red tape and permitting and, oh, you're dealing with the board of health. You're dealing with the city. Oh, you want a liquor license. This is what you have to, and you don't know it until you do it. Mm -hmm. Nobody like, it's just, you don't know what you don't know. And I think, oh, that costs money. Oh, that permits this much, this permits this much. Oh, you want to do that. Oh, you didn't tell us you wanted a, a back porch or it's like all these things, you know, the fire marshal, it's so overwhelming. And so I think it prepares you because it ha- you have to be resilient. You mm. truly have to be resilient through the whole process. So the dream is great. Um, it makes you feel good and it's all the, you know, the great things. But then as you start getting into each phase, you it gets tougher. And so I think it's it's done that way purposely mm. because you do have to get tougher and you do have to be resilient because later on, you know, it could be a hurricane. Yep. It could be something else, but there's always a storm. So, yes, enjoy the good times and enjoy all that, but you have to be resilient mm-hmm. to push through because anything worth having is always going to be hard.
3: That make, makes a lot of sense. It finally – The old owners, when they came back in, tell us the story. Oh, my gosh.
1: We all got super emotional. And I think um, there's, you know, memories tied up into the old. And when they saw the new, not that it was unrecognizable, but it was like, how did you do this Mm -hmm. with this building? And then it was bringing back to like, oh, well, this is where the cars used to be. This is where the office used to be. And, oh, you put that there? And they sat there and, you know, one of the ladies, Miss Joni, she got emotional. And then I started getting emotional and it was like, is that good or bad? <laughs> so I think um, it's the emotional ties, the the core memories you want to keep going for people there and their children and that they can keep coming in. And they have um, the story of, I think it was their grandfather that, that got interviewed and it talks about being the oldest mechanic shop in Lafayette. And so making sure you always know where you came from and being grateful for those people that built that because if they wouldn't have built that there, then I wouldn't have much. Yeah.
3: That's beautiful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, Thank you again for coming in here and for telling your story. This is fantastic. I love talking. We could right. keep going. You know, well, come back a year from now. We'll do an update. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. See how Great things have been community. going. Right. See how the winner did yes. and all that. And Jan, again, thank you for uh, letting thank me ask you yeah, yeah. Yeah. questions. Thank so you, talented. Jan.
0: So I did want to get in that the name of your business, Coffee Weed oh. Cottage, coffee weed is derived from the term for chicory, Yeah, the name of a coffee substitute from the roasted root of the chicory plant. And so that's what you liked. You were saying that during the interview. So I wanted to get in what coffee weed. Yes.
1: You know, um, early on in the dreams side of things, I'm on a, f- a flight back from, you know, wherever I was traveling to for my corporate job. And so I'm Googling, you know, different names for chicory and like, I didn't want to be a basic name. Like I wanted to stand out a little bit. And so thinking I was going to do plants and the chicory and I saw the nickname being coffee weed, I was like, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. And little did I realize in my, I don't know, naive or ignorance was people are going to think I sell weed. That's a wonderful And, when and I heard CBD. It, yeah. And so like they'll come up to the counter and they'll kind of be like wink wink, like, what you got in the coffee? <laughs> and I'm like, it's just chicory. Sorry. So, and a great conversation, and we get good laughs. But yeah. It's maybe just chicory. Yeah, maybe one it day. Room right. To
3: expand. You're right.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Help pay. Legalize those bills. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Denise Champagne McClure, thank you for sharing yourself your story. Jason, thank you for taping our show. And I want to thank Raider for all they do. They built this. This was the old Piccadilly. Phenomenal. I love it. And they built this beautiful studio. So I'm very grateful for everything Chris Raider and and the whole team has done to help me. Yeah. And uh, I want to thank our listeners. Thank you for being loyal. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. You can also visit discoverlafayette.net to find Denise Champagne-McClure's interview along with about 345 or more. And we just have some beautiful guests on there. So I want to thank everybody that supports the podcast. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift.